Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The Johnson Report. No inquiry. Everything up in the air. And there was a sense, and we talked about it yesterday, that this week could bring new information. Let's face it, this story has drip, 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 drip. Never stop. And then... And then we have uh, David Johnson not calling the inquiry. And if there ever was a moment and there's other things that the CSIS leakers want to say, you don't have to be a soothsayer to think that maybe they're going to jump out here. The other part of it is what is left behind. Will there eventually be an inquiry? And what have we learned here that we can't unsee? There are many things, certainly for me. As I read that report, joining us is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. Hi, Phil. How are you? Good, Arlene. It's been a while. How have you been? Hey, I'm okay, but this has been quite a story, Phil. Would you agree with me? There's a feeling in the air. It's not over. Well, it hasn't been over for 30 years, Arlene, and that's the issue. So, you know, for your listeners' education, I did work for CSIS for 15 years. Uh, not on the China file, on the terrorism file. And you and I have spoken about that in the past. But this file has been going on for a very, very long time. And CSIS has been quite diligent in collecting intelligence and assessing it and corroborating it and providing it to decision makers to help them keep them better informed. And yet I read the same report, Arlene, the Johnson report, and I just thought, like, we haven't made any progress here. So, you know, where does this thing end? Would we get more allegations, more leaks of information, which I don't support on principle as a former CSIS analyst. But I, I think that Canadians have a legitimate question as to uh, where is this whole thing going? Because China's not going to stop doing what it's doing. So what do we do as Canadians to provide in, to try and prevent that? And, you know, next step, so David Johnson says he's going to have another report in October. Many of us can't wait that long, Phil. And you have said what others are saying with the kind of experience that you, you've had. This was not new. Phil, what are you, people like yourself, what are you saying to each other as this unfolds? Oh, we say a lot to each other. <laughs> what can you tell forum. us you're saying to um, each other? You know, we're, we're all frustrated, darling. We, you know, we all spent our careers with, with one purpose and one purpose in mind only, to go to work every day, you know, do our best to collect intelligence, make sure it was as accurate as we possibly could. And there's no guarantee of 100% accuracy. We realize that. But, you know, intelligence services, their raison d'etre is to collect intelligence and share it with their clients. And, you know, we talk about another report. Well, how many reports is this going to require? Like I said, CSIS has been advising the government on this particular issue for the better part of three decades. Former uh, CSIS director Dick Fadden said that as well. And I just don't see – we're kicking this can down the road. And, and, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, Arlene, but it almost sounds that the government hopes that if we just kind of keep putting this off, putting this off, that – Canadians will lose interest and help with them Blue Jays and then move on to something else and, and, you know, absolve the government of any responsibility in this regard. You know, Phil, you said something interesting, and it it coincides with what the CSIS leaker said, that they were doing this at great risk, but they were doing it because they felt Canadians needed to know. And I know you're not jumping in with all the things that people like you were saying to each other, but surely that has to be part of it. Is there a little bit of a cathartic feel, may I say here, from those who have been frustrated that at least it's out in the open. I mean, here we are talking about it and those frustrations. 
I, I think so. Um, I had an op-ed in the Ottawa Citizen on Friday in this, in this regard to try to inform Canadians as to why we do what we do. And, and you know, I'm very careful. I didn't release the kind of details that the leaker did. I understand the frustration the person may have experienced, but I do think the Canadians have to know that intelligence agencies are doing their best because at all honesty, Arlene, when I read the report that Mr. Johnson had produced, I was insulted that he basically said that the security services aren't doing their job properly by disseminating intelligence. For, for God's sakes, we are. We're doing the utmost to make sure the government's informed. It's, it's not our fault that the government doesn't use our intelligence. Uh, we can only do the best we can. And, you know, we, we don't make decisions. We provide information to help decisions, better decisions being made. And the report kind of poo-pooed all that. And so a lot of us are kind of, we do, none of my colleagues support the, the leak in, in itself because that's not what we did for a living. But a lot of it is kind of nudge us, wink, wink. Well, maybe this isn't a bad thing that Canadians have a better insight uh, as to what CSIS knew and when it knew it. You know, as you said, we have been doing our jobs. One of the things that stuck out to me, and there were many, and I referenced it yesterday, is the fact that in the report, David Johnson said messages were sent, for instance, to the public safety minister. They didn't get there. No one knows why. No one knows where they went. Did it go to the ether? Is it, why was it sent somewhere and they did not receive it? Bill, what did you make of that? Um, I was confused because before mm-hmm. I was with CSIS, I was with CSE, Communication Security mm-hmm. Establishment, the Signals Intelligence mm-hmm. Organization. And I know for a fact as to how distribution dissemination works. Uh, we have liaison officers that sit in the offices of senior officials and hand deliver this stuff with a, with a nice pink bow on top and answer any questions they might have and, and send feedback you know, as to what other intelligence that they need. The dissemination problem is not the problem of CSIS and CSE. And I would go one further, Arlene. One of the issues that I and many of my colleagues feel, and we're a little bit biased. I mean, I worked 32 years in Intel, so I'm not neutral in this regard, is that overall, Canada has a very poor intelligence culture. And what I mean by that is that it's a succession of governments, not just the current one, but previous ones. We find a lot of officials don't get intelligence, don't like it. I uh, think it's dirty, think it isn't usable, think it complicates things, maybe it, go, it goes against accepted wisdom. Um, unlike our partners in the in the United States and the UK and countries like Australia, which have very robust intelligence cultures, part of the problem is that the intelligence is not shared because people don't put much stock in it. Uh, I don't know how, what, what you can do to change that culture. I've seen intelligence make a huge difference in decision-making. But, you know, as they say, you can lead a horse to water, but et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the first time we heard it, this lack of culture, it made me certainly stand up and take notice. And there you've said it again, that it's an attitude and a feeling that that is perhaps rampant in the government. Is is this culture, and you've brought it up and others are bringing up now, did you hear that in this report and the way the information was given to Canadians? I think so. Uh, again, you know, Mr. Johnson put, reported that there was an issue with dissemination. To me, uh, you know, once the intelligence services hand off the intelligence, it's up to their clients to do something with it. So, you know, we don't get access to the prime minister like, 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 let's say, like the Americans do. I had a very good friend who used to do the presidential daily brief. She got like a half an hour every day with the mm-hmm. president and, and gave briefs. We don't have it here in Canada. So we rely on officials that understand the importance of intelligence and if the PM has to know something, they flag it for him and they make sure he gets it. If they don't put any stock in it, uh, or due to the lack of intelligence culture or whatever reasons I already cited, 
then the PM doesn't know, and decisions don't get made as a consequence. And then there's this positive deniability. Oh, we didn't receive the information. Well, it's not because it wasn't delivered to you. It's because you chose not to pass it on. So th- that's what I take away from a lot of this. Okay. That Mr. Johnson put the blame on, at, squarely on, on the, at the uh, heels of CSIS. It's not our fault. It's the fault of the, of, the, of the officials that received intelligence in the first place. Phil, you know, you were just referencing the piece that you did in the Ottawa Citizen. And it, the CSIS person did a, the leaker did an op-ed in the Globe. And Aaron O'Toole has been writing. I mean, everybody is writing about this. You and I were just talking about maybe there's a feeling of relief. This is out in the open. Phil, how dangerous is it right now for Canada, in your opinion? From when this began, there was a a sense, certainly from those in the military, and as you say, Dick Fadden and others, saying that there's a there's a feeling that our allies maybe aren't even respecting us. How how crucial is this moment, in your opinion? Wow, that's a great question, Arlene. Um, to me, there's no doubt that a lot of people are looking at Canada. Our traditional allies, and you've heard the term the Five Eyes, which is the Anglosphere. It's, mm-hmm. it's been a post-World War II uh, intelligence arrangement. Very sensitive intelligence is shared amongst the five partners. And um, I, I mean, I'm no longer in the inside. I, I retired in 2015, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of get the feeling that some of our closest partners may, and I stress may, be asking, how, how serious is Canada anymore? I mean, you've got 30 years of evidence that the People's Republic of China, amongst other nations, have been mucking about in our country, uh, harassing people, threatening people who are dissidents of the regime. We have the allegations that China interfered in our last two federal elections, targeted by Mr. O'Toole when he was the head of the conservative party. And yet we get this kick the can down the road out to by the government. Uh, if I was a Canadian ally, I, I'd be asking some serious questions. Is uh, How serious is Canada going to take these types of things? I, I don't think we're going to kick out of the alliance anytime soon. I wouldn't go that far. But it strikes me that you know, there's reasons why you have the 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 US UK US agreement to do nuclear submarines in, in the South Pacific. There's reasons why you have the Quad, in which Canada's not not part of it. And, and I think that you know, defense-wise, they're not spending nearly enough on defense as as NATO requires. Now, the two percent per year that's the standard. So I think it is maybe a dangerous time for Canada that a country that you know performed punched well above its weight uh, militarily, intelligence for decades, is now seeing being seen as a bit of a slacker. And if that's the case. Uh, we're we're a net consumer, Arlene, of intelligence mm-hmm. in the sense that we get much more mm-hmm. than we produce. So, are they going to provide it for free if we're not, you know, pointing up to the bar anymore? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and that echoes other things as we talk about our ability to defend ourselves and what we spend on defense. Phil, you, you said this has been going on for a long time. You're not alone. How long is this? It, right now, it's a liberal government problem. In my opinion, this is the biggest deal that Justin Trudeau has faced in power. That is my opinion. But Phil, how long... Has this been a problem for Canada? Is it just this government? No, it's not. It's certainly been going on. As I said, you know, CSIS was created way back in 1984, so almost four decades ago. And and one of the, the main investigations that CSIS has been involved in, this is no state secret, would be the People's Republic of China, what their spies are doing here. And they steal our technology. They harass our citizens, et cetera. I, I can't speak to election interference per se, Arlene, in terms of how long, far back that goes. But there's no question that China has been doing things that are against our interests for a very, very long time. 
CSIS and other agencies have been providing the intelligence on those activities to multiple governments of both political stripes, mm-hmm. so conservatives and liberals, for the better part of 40, 30, 40 years. So, no, it's not new. The election interference is maybe the icing on the cake, if I can use that term, because this is a real kick at Canada. We're going to try and interfere with your elections and, and affect them and influence them in ways that benefit us, don't benefit Canadian voters. So to me, I think it's it's kind of a reef exclamation point right now. And the government's response has been absurd. It has been pathetic by trying to pretend there's nothing to see here and there's no, no need to take action. I, as a Canadian, I feel insulted in that regard. You know, Richard Fadden, um, when I spoke to him, talked about this being a wake-up call moment. And we know that phrase gets used over and over again. But clearly, we are at this point. You know, I was just listening to you and how long it's been going on. And another thing he said, too, and he's not alone. Other national security people and former CSIS people have said such things that maybe part of the mindset is is what's causing this. We've been so blessed here in Canada. We don't get it. We don't we don't understand that there's stuff going on out there. We just think life is good and we don't have to perhaps participate in what led to making it good at this moment, Bill. I think that's a good way of putting it. And you can extend that to defense as well. I mean, we're, we're blessed that the Americans are our neighbors. And there's no way the Americans will let anything happen in Canada because it'll affect mm-hmm. their national security as well. So we can rely on them from a defense perspective. But I think that most Canadians truly do live in a blissful ignorance. And that's not necessarily a bad thing some of the time. But, you know, there's a reason why we have CSIS and CSC and the RCMP and national defense. It costs a lot of money, yes. But it's the price of being free. It's the price of having information so you can make better decisions. And I guess I, I wish more Canadians were aware of that, which is one of the reasons why, uh, since my so-called retirement, my kids tell mm-hmm. me I suck at retirement, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, in 2015, why I talk to people like yourself to try to give mm-hmm. some kind of you know, bit of insight as to what, why this matters. And I think Canadians deserve to know. They do, you know, so as we we hurl responsibility at the government, and that's what we elect them for to keep us safe, and it's important. But we do we have to look inside ourselves too, Phil? I always say governments will do what they feel they have to do to get votes, and this is not a vote getter. You're right, and you know, thesis isn't going to, you know. Isn't going to you know bang the drum loudly and say look listen to me listen to me kind of thing because they realize the nature of their job is very sensitive so uh, but I do think Canadians have to wake up and smell the coffee um, you, you know we have to have enough resources I know that these agencies are under resourced both financially and human and in terms of you know humans to work these jobs because it hasn't been seen as a priority you know the one stat I love to, to cite Arlene is at the end of the Second World War Canada had the fourth largest navy in the world I think we're now behind Latvia. I'm not sure Latvia even had a Navy, but it just goes to show how little I think that Canadians in the past 75 years have taken our, our, our security and defense for granted uh, and, and don't want to spend the money on it. And, you know, we're, we're in a tough time now post-COVID. Budgets are mm-hmm. you know, well in the hawk for a lot of things. But bottom line is if you don't, uh, you don't spend money on it, you don't get the kind of information and protection that you deserve. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.